is uh, visiting uh, Algeria in order to get uh, more gas uh, from uh, that uh, source uh, and less gas uh, from uh, you know our Russian friends. That is uh, pretty much the situation. Does it uh, answer a little bit your question, Spring? Exactly, it answered. It was what I was thinking that everything is on old till Wednesday when they go to the parliament, isn't it? That is correct, yes. And they probably will get uh, Draghi will be successful because the, Spain was uh, going to get a lot of gas from Algeria, but uh, the relationships between um, Spain and Algeria are pretty bad right now. It's uh, the connection between always Algeria and Morocco and Spain. Yeah, knocking wood. Uh, Drag is being uh, quite active uh, in securing uh, alternative energy sources to Southern Europe. Uh, and uh, yeah, his uh, trip to Algeria is uh, one uh, of, uh, you know, in the context of uh, such attempts. So it might not be as visible as... Uh, some other um, high-profile uh, actions, but it is uh, still something that might prove to be important in the grand scheme of things at the end of the day. Thank you. Thank you, Papi. Uh, as we noted, Spring, you were confused, which means that you were paying attention to Italian politics. Welcome back, Axel. And welcome, Anna. Hi. Hello there. Hello. Hi. Um, so I have a, a question um, regarding a news. It states that the Russian delegation in Iran to um, buy um, Iranian uh, UAVs and um, uh, up until this moment, the Iranian minister uh, denied it. Uh, the, uh, the Ukrainians uh, asked them about this. And uh, um, cannot name the thing. Something with A said his name is Sullivan, and he seems to be um, the U.S. Um, Secretary uh, for National Security. Um, and my question is if. If you have any idea if this is true, and um, if yes, what would that mean? Um, what would the implication uh, be in this case? Because uh, from my understanding, um, um, Russia is preparing to um, to come out of their break, if if we can say they had a break. Can I take this one because I was watching the. Sure. The South European press, okay. Um, Russia is actually trying to buy drones from I Iran. I don't know the quality of the drones. They are, I think they they send someone to buy some drones there. But otherwise, um, I don't think they stopped the war at all because uh, they have been shelling uh, the entire Ukraine lately. So... What I think it's a more long-distance uh, war in terms of more artillery and missile attacks. I don't know if I'm completely right, but it's what I get. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And also, we don't really know exactly what, if if any, Iranian drones are even going, going to be sent to uh, to Russia. There seems to be very conflicting reports on it. And 
um, you know, a drone is not like another drone um, in the sense that they're very different sizes, they're used for very different purposes. Uh, it might just be best waiting to actually see uh, some, if any, uh, out in the field and then, you know, be able to say, oh, that that's actually what they sent or maybe they didn't even send anything, right? Because um, some drones say, like the Bayraktaras or like American Reaper drones, they have long time, uh, a long time of flight. They also carry munitions, right? And they, they kind of operate like a smaller version of a manned fast jet, a uh, manned fighter jet, um, slow once, but still. Um, uh, then you have sort of loitering munitions, so-called kamikaze drones, which is basically, you know, just a, something that looks kind of like a model airplane with a big bomb strapped to it that dives into a target after a while. Uh, and the third type are sort of reconnaissance drones, right? And it really depends on which ones might be going because they're so very different in their function and utility. Um, what's good to know as well is that drones can be of very uh, varying qualities. Um, and apparently a lot of these Iranian drones are not very well made because a number of uh, places that have previously bought them have had uh, some complaints about them as well. So we'll see, basically. That's the, 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 the long and the short, I guess. Thank you, Ander. I'm glad to, uh, to have been able to, to explain this as best we could. Um, but actually, on the point of, on the point of drones, uh, Bertrand Russell's puppy... Uh, there was a, there was news about some American equipment that was destined for Qatar, uh, but supposedly, apparently destined for Russia, being stopped off of Italy, or just as it was about to leave an Italian port. Um, has that been gotten to the bottom of, or uh, did everybody stop for a petrol spritz and never resume? I know what you're talking about. There were reports about that, but uh, there are uh, no new information that I am aware of. And I follow the media sufficiently closely to say that uh, probably I may not have uh, missed it. So there are probably no new information about that, unless uh, you are uh, uh, one step ahead of me, in which case I will be grateful. Yeah, no, alas, alas. Um, it's, a, it's a shame M's not around anymore. I uh, would have had more stuff to talk to him about, but, you know, such is life. Uh, even in Egypt, they sometimes go off and do other things. London calling. No, he's back from London, I think. London was calling, so he had to, you know, take the phone. Oh, I see, I see. Very well, very well. Sounds good. Um, I see that we have uh, Oscar, that is Olga from Odessa, uh, with us in the audience. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we've not heard from you in a while, I don't think, or maybe only in uh, late evening hours when I'm I'm not around necessarily. Uh, so if you if you have the time, I know it's a, it's a busy day, undoubtedly. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you as well. Go I on. really, I really appreciate it when my requests get answered. Yeah. Hi. Um, well, let's see if it yeah, works. it, it hi, works. Okay. Hi. Uh, it's it's not a busy day. It's Saturday after all. It's just little. You know, we had a early wake, a wake up call today from our dear neighbors, who decided to deliberate us from another warehouse. And, um, well, it was in a different district from me. That's why I first thought that's a very close uh, air defense shot. But then it turned out it's quite a distant strike. And, um, of course, watching the fire and the really huge black smoke is uh, not a very pleasant view. But um, the main thing is that people are fine. Uh, some... 
several people, I think three, uh, um, injured by the glass that was broken in the neighboring houses, constructions. But otherwise we were, you know, I think at this point it's lucky. Uh, if there is a missile strike but has no casualties, then it's being lucky. In comparison to what happened to uh, in Dnipro and in Vinitsa, it's just just nothing. So, yeah, otherwise, nothing special. People are used to such stuff to the point when they do not change their plans much after a strike. We used to, used to be more scared, but uh, it seems the fact is no longer that big. And um, they keep saying that uh, this kind of terrorism uh, from Russia is... Uh, about intimidating the population and make us leave and make us demand from the government that we should stop uh, stop the war, no matter the price, no matter the territories, because we're so scared by the missiles, by the bombing and deaths of civilians. But in fact, from what I can he hear and see and reflect a little bit, we are just getting angrier and we definitely don't want it to stop at any price. It's not about the peace, it's about victory. Peace through victory. Exactly. And Olga, how are you doing? Um, I believe you were away for a while, uh, away from Odessa. Um, did you go to Ismail as well? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back uh, in Odessa and I was uh, in Ismail on the way back for uh, two days. And it was, well, I tweeted about that. Um, and that's a, that's a great thing, actually. It's not like everyone should be aware of that, but I heard from from one person who said, "Oh, I think um, Ukrainian army overreports the number of missiles they uh, took down because how do we even know that air defense has worked? I mean, like they can put any numbers, and they'd be like, "How do we know? Because it's an explosion." <laughs> This is how we know. It's not like you can pretend or just fake air defense working. You know when it works. And I'm glad that people uh, are not aware of these sounds. Yeah, this was an interesting conversation. And a bit of an odd question maybe, but while you were in Ismail, did you see perhaps a little bit more river traffic on the Danube than in your previous visits in previous years? Uh, yeah, this is actually, I think we discussed a couple of days ago. Uh, the traffic is extremely busy, not just more traffic, but very busy traffic. It takes quite skillful navigation just to pass by one barge, another, and one cargo ship, and uh, another to just to, to pass by, I think. Every every sentence in Colrex is, is just... Uh, meaningful in this situation. Very, very busy traffic, yeah. Now, after all of these months when we were discussing how uh, grains are going to uh, get uh, get out of Ukraine by you know, train into Poland and so on, it really seems as though the Danube River is being used as a major way to get them out as well. And I think that's, uh, no, it's, it's, really, it's really good to see uh, the organization and the utilization, especially now that uh, Snake Island has been, uh, you know, so uh, graciously given back by the Russians as a gesture of goodwill, as they said, right? 
that the canals in the lower Danube can be used to, to the fullest and uh, the transport capacity of the Danube can be used again. Uh, yeah, but uh, the traffic was busy even when Russians were in the Snake Island. Um, I think it's um, not... Well, they used it. I think they can use some additional routes in this uh, Bistri channel, uh, but um, uh, it was like over a month ago, so the Snake Island was still occupied back then. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, lots of trucks, lines and lines, kilometers of lines of trucks. Uh, so yeah, hopefully it's going to be uh, better now with the grain and it's not only about grain also the fertilizer from what i've heard is uh, discussed widely <clears throat> and um yeah anyway um it's st we still need ports the seaports because uh if if you can ship like i don't know 65000 ton of uh, grain from a port per week for example from one trader just like I've heard the numbers, then it's, uh, it's like about 7,000 ton uh, on the barge, like a ship that can uh, can travel by river. So, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a solution, but it's uh, such a Hail Mary. And, uh, of course, it doesn't cope with the entire volume. Even given that we lost the, the Southern Territories, the grain, the harvest from the southern uh, territories for now, uh, which is stolen uh, by Russians. We still have quite a decent harvest and uh, we'll have, okay, like maybe half of it, but still that's lots of grain. And um, we need to export it somehow. Of I understand that's like we need money and the world needs grain. It would be a win-win in this situation. So we need ports. Hopefully they will figure it out. Having a topic of conversation is uh, you know, the, the theft of grain by Russia in Ukraine and the you know, shipping of grain by Russia from, say, occupied Kherson and Zaporizhia Oblast to occupied Crimea and then uh, shipping it from there onwards around the world. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't catch the beginning of the question. How, how big a topic is that in you know, conversations among Ukrainians, specifically uh, not, not, in Odessa? Not big. I mean... People are more concerned about other people's life, uh, and this is the main focus. At this point, I don't think we care much about any destructions or damages or stolen grain, because there are so many lives of civilians lost. And you saw those pictures and images and the attacks uh, on malls and medical centers in the daytime. So that's the main focus, um, not some material things. Thank you. I thought as much. I thought that it wouldn't be uh, nearly as much of a of a of a big uh, you know, point of conversation. I'm sure that it's something that Ukrainian politicians might uh, use regularly in discussions with their counterparts elsewhere in the world, uh, but certainly not something that most people in Ukraine would particularly care about. Well, there's, maybe there's because cruise missiles raining in the cities. Right? Yeah, yeah, but but maybe because uh, we understand that. Uh, um, I don't think Ukraine, maybe not, I think, but just uh, uh, it becomes apparent Ukraine won't face any starvation, any famine, because if we cannot export grain or export anything, uh, it remains home and uh, we're going to be fine. Besides, many people have their small gardens and, well, 
it's going to be fine. We know that. We're not short of anything in the not occupied territories. We're okay. Uh, so, oh, the, the air raid alert is off. Uh, okay, just um, <laughs> just another day. Uh, and um, yeah, that's that's why maybe because if we were concerned about our food security, maybe it would be more a matter of um, talks here. But I can go to a store and buy whatever I want, whatever I uh, buy used to buy before the war. So that's because we're not concerned about any shortage for now, at least. Then um, maybe that's the reason why it's not the topic of discussion. And by the way, uh, we're thankful to uh, Romania and to Moldova and other um, neighboring countries and and Poland, I guess, as well. So uh, besides all those fantastic and very kind things, uh, they keep doing for us. They also brought back salt to the shops. And no shortage of salt because <laughs> it's kind of weird not to have salt at supermarkets and they're all bad. Just to outline that a little bit for people who might not remember, uh, the bulk of Ukrainian salt came from salt mines at Soledar, right? And is it in Luhansk Oblast or Donetsk? I think Luhansk, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, and obviously that was very much on the front lines and now I believe it has been taken by Russians or maybe they're right next to it. Uh, anyway, so the, the mine cannot operate and cannot supply the salt. And um, uh, there was a, a bit of a panic uh, at, at some point across Ukraine where people were panic buying salt because they only ever knew one place that salt came from, right? No, no it's, it's, it wasn't a panic. There was no salt. It's not like people bought out oh, all sorry. the salt. Sorry, um, <laughs> there was yeah, no I, I salt. Like, you couldn't buy it. Yeah. Because they stopped people they stopped bought the it. existing stocks and then it was out. Uh, and yeah, there was a panic because it was it, out. I guess. Uh, because uh, I, I think maybe later last year there was some one day there was some news about salt and uh, this uh, plant said, come on guys, we have the storage for like 120 years, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about salt. If one thing uh, you're not supposed to worry about that salt, like hundreds of years ahead, uh, you, like, even your grandchildren will be fine. And um, yeah, it was so recently. Yeah, and then there was no salt. And now we have imported salt. For God's sake, we have like for, uh, over a century long like resources to uh, mine salt and suddenly we have to import it this is like like i don't know this is such um, <laughs> a sick reality of that thank you olga yeah it is it is truly um truly absurd that, that it had to come to this um spring do you have a question for olga yes hi olga i hope that you are okay um it's always nice to hear you. Uh, my question is a very probably silly one, but I I got curious. When you hear a sound alarm, don't you go and seek for shelter, a place that you can be safer? Uh, no. I was sleeping, and then I woke up to a siren, I guess. I woke up for some reason, maybe there was a siren, but I didn't realize it was. And then, uh, like, maybe 10 minutes later, I heard an explosion. And, um, yeah, you know, like many people say, uh, there is already a strike. Why would we go anywhere? It happened already. So, <laughs> no. And I heard it was pretty distant. 
so uh, to be honest, like four months later, four months into the war, um, very few people go to shelter. Um, to shelter, the shelter is usually um, not full of people, but there are people you can see there are people who have just come from occupied territories or from the territories that are in active combat zone. And they're really uh, scared of those noises and uh, they know when the siren a siren goes on, goes off, then uh, they'd better go to the shelter because it will save their lives. But um, probably we're not scared enough here to just run to the shelter. And if we go to the shelter every time the siren goes off, it would be half of our life, just literally half of it. And day and night, day and night, and... Uh, your um, sleeping terms are completely screwed. You're, you cannot work. You cannot, you know, do anything because most of the time you have to spend in the shelter. No, it's a no-go. So it's only driven by, uh, by fear. If you're scared, you go there. If you're, if you're okay, more or less, okay, you're scared of the booms, of course, and because you know what may come, but... Um, if you're not too scared, you stay home. Everyone is getting um, used to the insecurity of a daily life in Odessa, actually. Uh, yeah, we're concerned about our security because we know that there is no safe place, uh, not only in Odessa, in the country overall. Uh, but uh, you get used to things because human beings are very adaptive creatures. This is why we survived so many, so many thousands of years. And we have to... You know, you have to keep your routine and uh, your everyday routine, your work, your, your, you know, regime, how you wake up and sleep, etc. And that's impossible to do if you follow strictly the air raid alert. But, by the way, uh, in that warehouse that was struck today, uh, there were the, uh, the guards that were like security guys who were, um, who had a shift during the night. And uh, the only reason they survived was that they actually went to shelter. Maybe because they're like industrial um, facility, which are even more targeted. So, yeah, it's, it's a really good thing. And it is invented for the reason. But, but we're not, we do not always comply. Thank you. I was remember one question and then suddenly vanished away. Because I used to read, listen to you since the beginning of the war, and what I feel is that you are, uh, I remember, a lot more confident. But what I was asking about it, I was curious, is what is your level of concentration at work? Can you read? Uh, yeah, I can be quite concentrated. Uh, because I have to, you know. Uh, we all do things we are employed for, are paid for, so we have to do our work as well as we can. Uh, it was extremely difficult to focus uh, in the first weeks of war. Very difficult. There are so many uh, um, internal feelings and every, everything was such a mess. Anger, fear, uh, and more anger and more fear and stress and anxiety. And when you go to sleep and wake up every every hour, literally, to check if Kiev is standing, to read if there is an amphibious landing in Odessa. It was a mess. But but now, no. 
it's okay. Thank you. Thank you, Olga. Uh, Danny? Hi, I had a, a comment and a question. Um, first, a comment. Uh, not only was it a, a tough thing to getting salt, I, I've read, uh, I'm part of a few Facebook groups here in Romania where um, efforts have been organized to support uh, refugees or people uh, in Ukraine that I haven't evacuated. And I was reading that not only was salt an issue, but also um, yeast to make bread in uh, the Odessa bread factories. So uh, I was reading, uh, I think it was mid-March, um, an effort to crowdfund yeast packets. So people were donating yeast packets from their own uh, pantries. Uh, but also a few companies got involved and donated, I think, uh, close to 600 kil kilograms of yeast for bread making. So it, it's just a comment on how, uh, how easily uh, these su supply lines can get disrupted and how we depend on, on certain things and um, how crazy it is to wage war against your neighbor instead of maybe embracing them for a better a better existence for all so um, that, that was my comment my, my question for oscar is uh, uh are you taking well, so i, I understand you, you cannot spend your uh, your whole life going into the shelter each time there's a a bomb uh, uh, alert uh, but are people taking like personal protection measures maybe installing um blinds on their windows so they can close the blinds and uh, maybe avoid getting their windows smashed in the event of uh, an explosion in the distance stuff like that I, I i i'm very impressed by the level of uh measures that have been taken in the city to protect statues and other cultural sites but i was thinking maybe people have started doing the same to their apartment uh yeah, actually, uh, they uh, not now, but uh, the first weeks, uh, first two weeks to three weeks of uh, the war, there were the detailed explanation how to protect your windows, just the, this um, all kinds of ways uh, uh, to to keep them solid uh, uh, during the blast, including some uh, some regular ones, just to use some sticking objects, whatever you can find, just to keep it uh, this way or the other, this the stretch or whatever, when the other just to open it into, you know, this like when it's uh, open only from the top. Um, I, I know that not every country uh, has this mode of opening windows, but in Europe they definitely do. And um, also just... Uh, there were suggestions to put water, like bottles of water, on um, near the window because they like consume the blast wave or something. Lots of lots of things. Uh, and um, but now uh, uh, people, as I said, got more not relaxed but adapted to the situation. They still keep it on the windows, but uh, uh, when people well, well, people don't do that. If they didn't do that before, uh, at this point, they don't do that. So if this is about personal protection, also, of course, we have some storage of water, looking at Mikolaev um, and seeing that they have no drinking water for months now. And um, uh, otherwise, sometimes, uh, not sometimes, well, uh, yeah, at this point, sometimes, but before that, it was many people would go to their corridors, to their uh, shared corridor, because it has 
they have more than two walls. And there was a specific instruction of um, how uh, the two walls can protect here, the more walls, the better. And they just with uh, some designs of uh, the plans of uh, typical apartments. Okay, look at there. Uh, this place is, uh, is the safest probably. Um, and th- these kind of things. And um, uh, every, every group of residential complex or if there was the group chat of people who live uh, in a block of apartments, they usually po- would, would post the instructions of uh, your actions during the missile attack or during bombing, bombing or what, what's your um, steps are supposed to be if there is literally working both ways, this kind of stuff. How different does this feel this summer compared to previous summers this of course is a very popular holiday destination for ukrainians always right and it's usually a very busty city in the summer particularly so in the summer um on the on the shoreline especially uh, how how weird does it feel that it's such a different summer um nothing feels too weird since late february <laughs> which is i think we're just past the line of what feels weird here and um yeah there are still tanned people there are still people walking around in their swimming suits well i live in the resort area so uh yeah i can see these people but they go to private beaches with a swimming pool and uh, I, al- I also was talking about people going to the beach to their just risking their lives just yesterday not in Odessa, but in Odessa region, which is even more mined because uh, the shore there is better for the landing. So uh, the guy went for a swim and literally, literally lost his head. So yeah, I don't know what happened. That was a mine or something else. But um, yeah, I wouldn't want to see that. Uh, and um, yeah, the, this is uh, the that yeah there are few people in the city which is very unusual period of time okay there are fewer people in comparison to winter because many left um and um and especially you can feel that while you're driving because um considerably fewer cars and uh, at some point uh, I talked to like taxi drivers and I was driving myself and uh, you feel you, you're glad when you're, uh, you, when you're in a traffic jam. There's no huge traffic jams, but imagine that you feel joy and like, oh, thanks God, many people are here and we're standing in a traffic jam. That's such such a joy. <laughs> so, yeah, this is weird. So I've got a few other questions for you as well. Um, How's the banking system working? Is there any fears, any disturbances in the banking system or are the banks working fine, you know, retail banking, to consumer banking? Uh, everything is fine. Everything works smoothly and, uh, no, it's fine. And uh, uh, many people who left um, flee, I would say, from Ukraine to Europe say, oh my goodness, our internet banking is the best thing that ever happened to us. Because we have two, at least two banks. Um, one is national one and the other one is like private one that have 
such an amazing internet banking service that you can do everything, everything uh, on the phone. Whatever you can think of, you can do that. And um, we have this bank, this private one. If you're, if you're like standing with the, next to the person and you have to transfer money to this person and the guy says, oh, I just um, cannot get access to uh, this software of mine on the phone. Uh, you can just, <laughs> you both can shake your phones and the system will find uh, his, his card number. You know, just just like that, and that's why when people go like even further to to the west, westwards, and they be like, how 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 it comes you can't pay utility services on the phone? How it comes you can order some extracts from the bank? How it comes you have to to uh, sign, fill out a paper to get another paper to get another paper in two weeks? Why? <laughs> it turned out you know you don't appreciate things you have until you face a different uh, level of bureaucracy, let's say, something like that. Amazing. Thank you. Um, one, more, one more question. So how's the job market looking like in Odessa, especially with all the internally displaced people who, you know, moved from Eastern Ukraine, I'm guessing, to plenty came to Odessa? Um, what's the impact on the job market? And also have a lot of companies kind of, picked up and moved over to Odessa as well from the East? No, I don't think so. Uh, the job market is bad, of course, because uh, uh, very, very few uh, job vacancies. Uh, and But, well, it's not like uh, like zero. It's not a flat line. Um, for job market, there are uh, quests, uh, but, uh, of course, not... Uh, I don't know, like 10%, I would say, 20% top from what it was uh, before the war. And um, yeah, there are many internally displaced people, but uh, um, uh, uh, it turned out COVID wasn't such a bad thing. Isn't, wasn't, I'm not sure. And um, because uh, it showed that we can work remotely and this is uh, very helpful now for many people. Uh, either they left abroad or they stayed, they can still work remotely. This is a, a very good solution. Thank you. And I'm guessing you know, more, more companies probably move to places like Lviv and Ternopil and other places yeah, yeah, in the yeah, northwest and Odessa, right? Uh, I'm not sure how many uh, moved to Odessa because many moved to westward. Um, still not safe enough in Odessa, perhaps. And... Uh, um, I, I know that several companies that work in Kiev and in Odessa, they are currently in um, in Romania, I guess, because uh, when I was in Galatia for two days, then uh, I had a job offer, <laughs> actually, and uh, was offered to stay and work. But uh, And a colleague of mine, she is offered a job in Constanza. And all of that are, of course... Uh, Ukraine-related um, organizations, humanitarian organizations and uh, refugees, um, the organizations that work with refugees. So they need uh, need stuff that speaks Ukrainian. Uh, and that's why um, it is possible to find like a job over there. Well, uh, I, I can say that uh, uh, my my job wasn't affected and I'm like experienced no um, you know, like the things I do, they change a little bit, but uh, I'm as booked as I 
used to be before the war, but I'm a lucky one. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, Olga. And actually, I'll, I'll have something else to ask you along these lines in a bit, but I'll go to people with their hands up first. Uh, let's go to JJ and then to Dan and then to Irene. Uh, JJ. Thanks, Doman. Um, Olga, it's really great to talk to you again. Um, and I'm so happy to hear that you are very busy with work because I know the last time we talked, you said that that was a great therapeutic outlet for you. Um, my question has to do with um, how we in the West can sometimes get stuck asking the same types of questions of you. And I would love to know if there's anything right now that you think um, doesn't get asked enough um, or talked about enough and um, that you would like to remind us about. Uh, thank you. Uh, not really. I think I, I can't think of anything I'd like to emphasize specifically. Um, if anything comes up, I usually tweet about that. <laughs> just I don't, or don't wait for the questions, just share. That's why. Thanks for asking about that, but um, I don't think I have anything to add. Can I follow up on that, Doman? Yes, go ahead. Um, I wanted to know um, if you've seen um, an increase since the events in Dnipro yesterday um, in terms of um, mis- and disinformation, because I know we expected that to happen in the space, and sure enough, it did. Um, we've had quite a few trolls, so I'm wondering what you are seeing from your side of things. Um Actually, I haven't seen much. Maybe uh, it also determined by the informational bubble we all create for ourselves. Uh, you know, we only follow people we like. Or actually, I, I don't know about everyone. Uh, I speak about myself and I, uh, people I communicate with here, because uh, we realize that we cannot. Uh, uh, we're running out of tolerance towards uh, people <laughs> who do not understand it or refuse to understand or support you for just say, oh, there's both sides, all that stuff. We don't have energy for them. We don't have energy to, to proving uh, and to uh, trying to persuade them that we're being killed for nothing. And that's not about NATO and all this stuff. So uh, I just uh, separated myself from all those um, people and uh, don't try out to to the block them. The first tweet I see that I don't like, it's gone. I I, uh, <laughs> I don't want any more any triggers, um, especially not on social media. Uh, and um, uh, and what disinformation did you expect? Because the only disinformation I saw, uh, I'm not sure it was uh, on purpose or something. Maybe just hyping. It was uh, the morning report that uh, about uh, the strike in Odessa saying there are many casualties and that's carpet bombing. None of that is true. And they, uh, the account has 10,000 followers. And uh, otherwise, it's, it's quite okay, quite normal reporting on Ukraine. I'm not sure why people would do that. But yeah, I'm not sure uh, what is information expected about Nipro. And there's actually been very little updates on, on Dnipro today. Uh, so um, that that makes me a little bit worried additionally on why there isn't more reporting on it. Um, maybe, maybe I'm too too negative about it. But anyway, um, Can I just add something about that? In Dnipro, I just know what the Minister of Defense of Russia says. 
it was that uh, it was sealed a factory that produced for pieces for missiles to Africa, uh, but we don't believe it in at all. Yeah, that's very confusing because that wouldn't have the range. I don't think to nip it off from Russian positions. That's very, very, very odd. Anyway, um, I think it's spring. That's very confusing. Um, maybe, maybe there's a reason why they're saying that, but or maybe from the south. Maybe they can just the black reach the Zaporizhia front. Not sure. Uh, Danny. Yeah, I think uh, what Spring was saying was that uh, the, the Russians were claiming they hit a facility that manufactured parts for the Tochkayu, uh, not that they was hit by Tochkayu, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. Yeah, uh, but I had a I had a question for Oscar actually. Uh, maybe you can or cannot speak about this. So of course, don't if you feel that it's not something you can share. But I know that there was a gas uh, platform. Uh, off the coast of Odessa, pretty far away from the coast of Odessa, but uh, that, that was struck uh, because it was being used as a, a military uh, objective. And uh, it, it's a gas platform that has been stolen in the 2014, I believe, um, but it was on fire. And uh, looking at the firm's satellite, it still like, looks like it's on fire still. And I was wondering if uh, it's still visible from the Odessa coast that it's burning. Um, I know at one point it did glow, really uh, strong uh, glow that was uh, seen from uh, Odessa. I was wondering if you can still see anything. Uh, no, actually, I couldn't. I couldn't see anything. Maybe because the um, maybe I should like climb high enough <laughs> just to see it. But uh, yeah, maybe just just a glow. Uh, so no, I know that uh, I was out of uh, Odessa when uh, it was very visible, and uh, my friends here they reported that yeah they could see that, but at this point I think uh, the fire is not that big to be seen. Maybe from uh, you know Odessa is a big city. From some other part of the city, from a more distant one, just uh, that goes on, on the other parts of Odessa Bay, they probably could see that. But uh, from where I am. I can't. Thank you, Danny. Uh, Irene? Um, I have a, maybe not a, a political question. It's not very popular, I think, now maybe to go into politics, especially when you are tired of uh, just worn out of the constant shelling. But um, I think that I'm, I'm like originally from Ukraine. And I notice and, and I'm really in contact with many people. I live in Munich in Germany. Um, and I have an impression people are tired now or not, uh, they don't have the energy to deal with the old political elites who are now promoting their uh, agenda. And um, the question is, how um, do you think in the future, politically, it will, like the landscape will change, having Truhanov uh, in Odessa or Filatov in Dnipro, who were who are now patriotic, but before they were promoting uh, extremely the Ruski Mir, and um, this, my opinion, has to be like a parallel because people are wonderful. They are united. They are um, helping medical with medical help, uh, like supply in the front lines. And this is just if you would project this unity in in politics, this country would be like, in, has an incredible future. 
but unfortunately you still have this we still have these political elites who are now trying to to promote themselves through i don't know humanitarian work or some special agendas and what do you think what is the future of such people as Trujano for example in this is the mayor of Odessa um, will be re-elected or these people will more and more disappear in the political landscape because people are just don't trust anymore uh, because this is like the consequence of course all the betrayal and sabotages are partly also um, yeah accused by those you know led from such people yeah uh well no matter what um what it used to be before the war uh we all understand i think i know it's manipulative to say generalizing we all understand now okay um i'll share my opinion but i know that's not only my opinion uh when hopefully not if and when the war is over we're fine we understand that winning the war and stopping these horrible um, events means that whoever um, kept their cities more or less safe or just didn't just kept it from um, occupation and uh, whoever is at the top now, uh, they will absolutely use it for their campaigns. We know that Zelensky will be president again. We, uh, and I understand that like, with a great, there is a great chance that Druhanov will become a mayor the third time because, you know, he served like half of the term after 2014 and then the full term uh, was re-elected. And it also depends on who's going to run together with them, uh, probably and hopefully. And uh, I think we learned our lessons uh, this w- would not be any, it wouldn't be pro-Russian no longer, of course, but maybe let's make peace, let's be friends with everyone. We have to learn how to forgive, not all Russians, all that kind of bullshit. We've heard that before in a more aggressive way. But this, well, people have PR uh, guys, they know how to wrap it in a nice, you know, ra- cover. But... Um, the first elections uh, coming after the war, I think Filatov and Trukhanov will will stay put. If they keep the cities, if the cities are not ruined uh, completely, they would say, okay, see, see, we, we did that. So probably we're not as bad as you thought. Same, I think that would be... Yeah, like this is the problem that uh, activists and people who are, could uh, be uh, the opposition of them are now on the front lines, yeah, and um, not, so, not so all the... of them. Not all of them on the front lines. I mean, uh, the guy who was the third uh, on uh, the uh, during the elections of mayor of Odessa mayor, um, he's in the city and he uh, is uh, good in uh, um, municipal development. He deals with that. Um, not all of them on the front. Mm. But, but they uh, don't I, I, have this um, this TV presence, probably, or this this media presence, or how uh, is it? Well, you know who who watches TV these days. I don't yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> this is the yeah. Point. This, it's all about Facebook and uh, access to yeah. uh, Telegram yeah. channels. And of course, if the mayor, if Trukhanov comes 
to the site of missile strike at 5 p.m. 5 a.m. and makes video. Of course, he gets media coverage. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, he gets more media coverage. But but you know what you know what's the good thing uh, that I can see now uh, in the regions that uh, are believed to be. Like because we're Russian-speaking regions, that's why there is the stigma of being from Russian. Um, yeah, it's that they put the um, other guys to military administration. The governor is not an elected position, so you can you cannot switch the mayor easily because it is an elected position. But you can switch and change the governor quite easily. That's why as long as we now have the military administration, not just, uh, you know, go- governor, uh, that's why they put some um, some good guys uh, to these positions. For example, in Odessa, in the Odessa region, it is uh, a colonel uh, who uh, ha- has a career military and uh, he has uh, combat experience in Donbass and was the, ha- the commander of, uh, I forgot, um, the battalion Aidar, I guess, some very prominent mm-hmm. combatants. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why uh, we were relieved after our current uh, governor was uh, dismissed, at least for martial law time. And uh, the, the current governor, he, he's, uh, he wears uniform and he's young and uh, everyone has crush on him now. So <laughs> just, and also, of course, he is like... Uh, a strict one and uh, um, because he's a new person and he's from Slavansk, by the way, from Donbass, then uh, uh, he's not involved in any, you know, un- under the carpet uh, schemes. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a good thing. And we hope he can stay, but probably not. But, well, that would be a very nice thing. Thank you. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, Olga. Spring. Olga, okay. is, is that okay if I give you questions that come to see your part in, in the situation. Uh, sorry if I'm a bit slow in my head, but we have been having a heat wave for more than 10 days. So sleeping is almost impossible in this country. We have temperatures of 44 degrees in Lisbon, so I'm completely tired. Um, so uh, I have been reading the news in Iberia. And uh, in all of the newspapers come some common questions that I would like to see your part, your point of view from Ukraine. Um, One of them is that Russia intensifies attacks with missiles and at the same time is uh, storing missiles in the nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia, which for me is completely insane because it's a threatening and a colossal danger for uh, Europeans and uh, humankind. Um, is it coming also in the Ukrainian press? Uh, we are aware of that, let's say, but um, so, so many th- things are uh, going on that to focus on every, um, you know, small details where they placed uh, their in- installations, the artillery, etc., etc., then, um, yeah, just uh, sometimes people are pretty much focused on their regions only. And, uh, of course, we, um, many of us want to see a larger view, but because things are happening in the region, you're more focused on that. And uh, uh, because the society is usually well-needed and some communities are very 
you know, close and uh, these are always the guy who knows the guy who lost the home or just lost some relatives. This is uh, really shifts the focus from other regions. Uh, but yeah, we're aware of that, aware that uh, there is uh, some talks about uh, a possible attack of uh, a nuclear plant uh, in the deep west of Ukraine. And in this case, it would affect uh, Europe much more than potentially affect Belarus or Russia. Um, yeah, there are lots of talks like that. Uh, but, um, you know, as we say here, we're going to deal with it when we face it. Um, so before that, to to be afraid of something that uh, can potentially happen, uh, because well, how can you even prepare to such things? What to 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 build oh, a steel a steel cube uh, in the middle of your bedroom? How? No, how? If it happens, it happens. Yes, you are living actually like stoics. You have to live for the day. It's tomorrow is too far away from what is happening around you. And I also got one that I think I we should highlight to our listeners because it's important is that seventy percent of the Russian attacks in Ukrainian soil were against civilians. And that is made deliberately. That is insane. Yeah, I think I saw the statistics that uh, during these four months, three uh, hundred military objects were hit, and thousands of civilian objects uh, were damaged or hit or targeted uh, directly. It was like an immediate target. No matter the explanation they have behind that, because usually uh, we've seen that many, many times, like now in in the cities that were struck uh, yesterday and two days before, they first uh, hit the civilian target and then they come up with an explanation. We uh, ruined that because there were like NATO base or there was the their defense something or there were the uh, mercenaries, or there were the aliens, or there was the Death Star, or whatever. They come up with an explanation after they uh, killed people, because the 